year, but no, but year, but no, but shut up, it's tales from a homeworker. Welcome to episode five of Tales from a Homeworker. They said it wouldn't last, but I proved them wrong. You see what I did there? I proved them wrong. All right, we're here, episode five. Uh, we're powering on. Uh, so what's happened this week? Well, it's been a, we, we had our hopes raised. We had our hopes raised. We thought we could get back to normal, didn't we? But uh, yeah, not quite yet, guys. So we're carrying on, carrying on. Um, yeah, Boris came out, did his, did his big announcement. <laughs> but we've got a scale now we've got a scale that we can work to so a scale from one to five with with one being you can have a conger in the street if you want so you can all get together and mellow out and chill like woodstock like in a field right that's number one and then number five is like zombie apocalypse so buy yourself a sword on, and baseball bats and stuff like that right that's five and we're we're three four Three, four, 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 three, three, four, 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 four. Somewhere in there, somewhere in the middle. Who knows? Yeah. So yeah, that's where we are at the moment, isn't it? It was a little bit. Uh, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. That's kind of how I'm feeling a little bit about it at the moment. I'll just go with what Scotland says. Nicholas Sturgeon seems to have the better idea. Just stay at home, grab a biscuit, and you get them now. Thankfully, if you've been in a supermarket, and I'm sure most of you have. We can we can now get the food that we want because people have stopped the stupid panic buying, which is sound. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Um, so yeah, get yourself a biscuit, get yourself a brew, settle in, settle down. We're going to be home working for quite a bit longer by the looks of it. Um, so what's been happening? What's been happening with me? I'll tell you what's been happening with me. I've probably got to stop eating. Oh, if it's not nailed down, I'll eat it at the moment. I was right at the start of this whole thing. I got quite poorly. I had the COVID. Talked about it before. Don't know. And I lost a lot of weight, right? And since I've got well, I have eaten like an absolute horse. I just can't stop. And crisps. I need to stop buying crisps. Frisps. McCoys. I have avoided the Pringles. I've been good. I have been good. I have avoided the Pringles. But everything else, yeah chocolate bars i don't even particularly enjoy chocolate that much but i've been buying chocolate bars i need to probably pack it in so i've been going out exercising right that's what that's what boris said at least we can do that we can go out and exercise as much as we want which is exactly what we used to do before so far from a return to normal everybody's i've never seen so many joggers in the street in my entire life no one's coming any mo anywhere or more anymore they're just they're just running around with the with the latex stuff on no it's not latex is it what do they call it spandex you know you know the kind of stuff don't you all the gear and no idea so they're running around like like crazy people so yeah whereas you see one or two joggers they're all up and down now anyway that's not for me that's not my style so i went i've been out walking so i went walking last night i went walking had a big long walk did like ten thousand steps five miles properly enjoyed it wish there was a public could have stopped up but there wasn't but hey let's not go there right but i was walking through the park and in the park there is one of these skate park things and the kids were hanging out i know they shouldn't naughty slap on the wrist you know social distancing shouldn't be doing it but they were they were hanging out there and there was a lad on a bike 
at the top with a big beard and thought, is that a grown man with kids on a skateboard or on a bike in a skate park? Or is it, and it got me thinking, right, oh, is it this? Do you remember, do you remember when you were at school, you'd have like summer holidays and you'd be like 13, 14. And when you came back after the summer, remember those days when you sort of like broke for summer and came back at the end of it? We won't be seeing that for a while, will we? But when you came back after that after that summer break, one of your mates that you hadn't seen for a, for a while had become this six foot giant with a beard, like bigger than the teachers, like some sort of hulking WWE wrestler, all all hair and muscle and all sorts. And you'd be starting in the morning in, in the register, you know, teachers doing the register. Smith, yes sir. Jones, here yes, sir. Morris. Yes, sir. Johnson. Evening, sir. It's good to be back. I've had a really good summer. Aye. I'll just sit in the back with me rollies with me pint. You crack on, son. You crack on. That's what it was like. Voices at a break. Anyway. Aye, so it was a big beardy lad. Anyway, that's the sort of weird stuff I notice these days. Um, What did, else did Boris say? That was the... Oh, masks. You can wear masks now when you go out. When you go out into into crowded inside areas, you've got to wear a mask. So I did. I don't think the lady behind the counter took too kindly to my Mike Myers mask. Especially since I was buying knives. But hey, let's move on quickly from that. Um, right, what else happened at the weekend? Weekend, VE Day celebrations. We had the VE Day celebrations. We should have been having street parties, shouldn't we? We should have been getting the bunting out and dragging the tables into the middle of the street. I know there were some people around the northwest that were doing that. Naughty, naughty, you're going to get fined. Uh, but yeah, we, we should have been more of a celebration. But well, we did our own thing. And, you know, I, I was in the garden enjoying the sunshine, doing a few jobs, put the radio on. They were playing all that old uh, 1940s music, which was great. A little bit of George Formby on his ukulele. Hee <laughs> turned out nice again. <laughs> and, uh, and Vera Lynn, we'll meet again. Now, got to give it to her. Who else would have thought of starting the Second World War just to plug a new record? Promotional war. Fantastic. Anyway, we've got a lot going on for this week. Um, usual sort of nonsense. We have a question from the audience. Yes, one of you has actually taken to your email and written me something, so well done you. We'll get to that. Um, actually, there's a couple of you because somebody's actually come over with a uh, lockdown go-to, their list, so we're going to go through that. Uh, we've got uh, elementary quizzes. We've got uh, our food tip. We've got our weird facts and did you know. I've got a really cracking scary story for you this week. Um, and some other stuff, bits and pieces as well. Uh, and anything else I can, I can find to ramble on about to, uh, to pad this session out this week. Right. See you after the break. So who got last week's elementary puzzle? Uh, it was a bit of a toughie, let's be honest. It wasn't the easiest of, of ones. Uh, let me remind you of what it is and then I'll give you the answer. So... Imagine you're faced with a sizable open-topped barrel of water Holmes instructed me. You know that it is close to being half full, but you do not know whether it is exactly so, or more, or less. With no instrument available with which to measure the depth of the water, can you devise a means to ascertain its state? So, what do you all think? Any of you get it? This is the answer. What you need to do 
is to tip it on its side, just far enough that the water touches the lip of the barrel, Holmes told me. Then look inside. If any of the bottom of the barrel is visible, then it is more than half empty. If any of the side wall is obscured, it is more than half full. If the water is exactly at the join, then it is in the precise halfway state. And would that be half empty or half full, I asked. Holmes did not reply. Well, as long as it's a barrel of beer and there's some in there, that'll do for me, eh? So here we are at this week's elementary puzzle. This one's called The First Mental Trial. My dear Watson, a keen mind must be able to follow a thread of logic through convoluted labyrinths at which even an Ariadne would quail. I dare say that's true, said I. Do I assume that means you have some trial for me? I couldn't say, replied Holmes. But if you did, that assumption would be well founded. Very well, I said. Pray go ahead. This should prove a gentle warm-up. There is something you own that is yours, and always has been. Despite this, all your friends use it, whilst you yourself rarely get to make use of it at all. What am I talking about? Uh, so one of the things Boris said to us this week, which we could at least decipher from um, from, from his rambling statement that he made, stay at home, go out, go to, go to work, but, but stay at home. But drive as far as you want to, but stay at home. Exercise, as much exercise as you want to, but stay at home. But, but don't do it in the car, go in the car, don't go on a bus. If you're going to go on a bus, wear a mask. Wear a mask outside, wear a mask inside. But stay at home, but don't do that. But go out, but stay in. Right, so yeah, he did his whole thing, didn't he? Um, but he did say you can, if you, if, yeah, I'm, I'm making a joke there. But you can go out and get some more exercise. Now, if you want to go a little bit further afield, you can do. So basically, he said, if you, if you want to head out in the car to a place where you can get a bit of exercise outside, uh, you can do it, and that's cool. Now, I'm really reticent to tell you this bit because it's kind of it's a place of pretty much unspoilt natural beauty right now because pretty much no one knows about this place, which is bizarre in my mind. Um, Forrester Boland. Um, for those of you that have never heard of it, if you head up the M6 um, past Preston um, and you pretty much veer off as if you're going to Clitheroe, if, when this lockdown is ended, get yourself to Clitheroe, um, to the uh, Boland Brewery and Food Hall over there. It is incredible. Um, just amazing. Just amazing food. Proper little... Um, they've got like charcuterie and, and fresh meats and vegetables and pastas and breads and it's just absolutely lovely and you can go in there you have a fresh made uh, cake cream cake proper proper tea in there coffees all sorts it's beautiful but there's a microbrewery and the, the, the whole thing's on a small site uh, and at the end of the site there's a hotel with a pub underneath the most incredible looking pub you've ever seen uh, just lovely it used to be an old mill and they've got the old mill equipment in there, the big you know wheel and all sorts. And they've got the brewery at one end, uh, and they do s just some fantastic ales. If you like your beers, if you like your ales, get yourself there. Stay a night in the hotel, it'll be fab. Love it. That's in Clitheroe. Anyway, while it's short, so you can't go there, you're going to have to head past into the Forest of Boland, which kind of sits 
north of Clitheroe, on the edge of, well, it's in Lancashire, on the edge of Lancaster. Blackpool's not that far away from there as well, um, which is always a, a fun day out. I remember it from childhood, some great holidays. Um, but the Forest of Bowland is this, just this massive, well, it, exactly what it says on the tin, boys and girls. It's a forest. There's lots of trees. But it's absolutely beautiful. But if you say to most people about this place, they've got no idea about it. No one knows it exists. Now, I'm, I'm dead cautious about saying that now because everybody's going to go, well, I need somewhere new to go to this weekend, so I'm just going to go bombing up there. Don't. Show a little bit of respect. Just, just, just <laughs> don't, don't ruin it with all your cars. You're not going to get a Starbucks in there or anything like that. Well, you're not going to get a Starbucks pretty much anywhere at the moment, are you? But if you do want to drive out, it's beautiful. It's it's the beautiful scenery. It's um, I discovered it a few years back. I drove through it because being Mister, I liked it. I liked a little bit of the supernatural stuff and a little bit of like I'm watching Most Haunted and all that kind of malarkey. And there was an episode about the Pendle witches, which Pendles up near Clitheroe, up in that part of it is Lancashire, isn't it? Um. And doing a little bit of searching around on Tinternet, I came across the Pendle Witch Trial, which is when the when the witches in Pendle were were arrested and taken to Lancaster. Uh, that's where they were tried. Um, they were actually taken across uh, Pendle Hill, which is which is by and through the Forest of Boland. So they, they, we had this path. You can you can walk the path if you're feeling that energetic. You can cycle. There's a cycle path. Cycle path, not psychopath. Mike Myers in that mask again. There's a cycle path, there's there's a car route through, and I took, being, being the energetic boy that I am, I took the car route through. There's a pub. It was pub of the year last year, and it's incredible. I, I stopped there, the Ashton Arms, which is right smack bang in the middle of the forest of Boland. The most amazing fish finger butter you've had in your entire life. Butty, because I'm northern, not sandwich. Right, right. Breakfast, dinner, tea. Right, that's how you do it. You have your breakfast in the morning, you have your dinner at 12 o'clock, and you have your tea at tea time, 6 o'clock, just before Uncle Reports Report comes on. Right, that's how you do it. The most amazing fish finger butty. So when that reopens, get yourselves there. It is just beautiful. It's this tiny little village. I forget the name of the village now, but you, you, can't, you, you can't miss it really. But you can. I've no sense of direction. I got lost in my own front room. Um, so if I can find the details, I'll tell you about it next week. Um, it's, it's no rush. It's no rush. You can't go there yet. It's shut. So don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, just have a look around the forest. There's trees. There's 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 lakes and rivers, um, hills. I can't say mountains. It's not that big, but it's just beautiful. And if if we get a bit of good weather at the weekend, fingers crossed, we do. It's definitely worth a little bit of a trip out. You never know. I might see you there with my picnic basket. Uh, you know, proper styly. Check it out. We've had a letter from the audience. Yay! What have you wrote to me? Cheers, guys. Um, so this one comes from uh, Dave J from Ellesmere Port. Uh, actually, it's my cousin David who does the guitar intros in between. I like that, Jones. I like that, Jones, lad. I like that. I like that, Jones. Um, so he wrote to me. Because this is, obviously, this has been playing on his mind. I can completely understand why. So this is his letter. This is what he wrote. Hi, Mike. Referencing to episode three and asking of any strange food combinations, 
here's one that I often find people are often clearly divided on. Chips, cheese and gravy. Yes or no? I have it in order of chips with grated cheese and then poured hot gravy on top just to really melt in the cheese. A lot of people find it offensive, but people enjoy chips and cheese and people enjoy chips and gravy. So why not chips, cheese and gravy? I'm enjoying the show. Keep up the good work, Dave J. So, some people enjoy chips and cheese. Some people enjoy chips and gravy. So why not chips, cheese and gravy? Because it's wrong. That's why. Because it's disgusting. No, no. I've got no issue with, with, with chips. The chips isn't the issue here. It's pouring gravy on cheese. It doesn't belong. What's the matter with you? No, no. Don't, don't do weird stuff like that. No, I don't get it. But I've got a funny feeling I'm going to have to try it just to sort of like prove myself either right or wrong, really, aren't I? Yeah, people do some weird stuff with food. I've, I've got to be honest. And I know some of you out there absolutely love it. It's a bit of a northern thing, really, isn't it? This is this is us as, as proud northerners. We'll put gravy on anything. <laughs> or curry sauce. See, that's my thing. I, I know people turn their nose up, but if I have fish and chips, fish, chips, mushy peas, curry sauce over the fish... Because curry and fish works really well. You go to Asian countries, they curry fish. So it's like it's not like we're doing something disgusting and new here. This has been going around for years. So in my mind, that absolutely works. But nah, I don't get it, man. No, it's just like salty cheese and, and gravy is usually salty. There's a lot of salt going on there. I don't get it. I don't mind the cheese on the chips. That's all right. And chips and gravy. Chips and gravy is great. <gasps> Roast chicken, a roast chicken breast, or a quarter chicken breast, chippy chips, chicken gravy, chicken gravy. That's that you're doing it there now, aren't you? See, that's that's proper northern, can't be helped. Um, so yes, that's what I think. If you've got any responses to that, write in, let me know. Um, but no, I think it's foul and disgusting. <laughs> you're a wrong and Joan, stop it. <laughs> Let's talk about food because that's one of my favourite subjects in the world ever. Um, so food tip, right? Have you have you noticed? I'm sure you've noticed how leftovers taste so much better than when you've cooked the food the first time round. Well, there's a good reason for that. There's a lot of foods that you cook that actually benefit from being left. Um, so I've actually got into the habit now of uh, cooking curries, if not the morning, but certainly the day before. If you can cook a curry the day before. For the next day, do it. It enhances the flavours. Uh, bolognese is so you pass the sauces. If you do like a bolognese and it's got like a rich sauce to it, cook it the day before, let it sit, let it rest, then warm it up the next day. It's always so much better. Um, coming back to curries, actually, if you do a curry, if you can do it like a few days before, freeze it and then defrost it uh, for the day that you need it. It's incredible because a little bit of science for you. The freezing actually enhances the spices and the flavourings. So when you come to defrost it and reheat it, you actually get a big kick of flavour. What are the other things that benefit from being left? Lasagna. right? If you're going to make your own lasagna and cook it at home, don't do it and then serve it up immediately. Cook it the day before, let it go cold, and then reheat it. It is always, always better. So there you go. Have a little play around with that.
Starting this week, I'm introducing a new segment to the podcast. Those of you home working or on furlough have been able to indulge your hobbies and interests. Mine happens to be crime and investigation. I've always been fascinated by it. For me, it's the puzzle-solving aspect. My logistical and academical brain thrives on the investigation and solving of things unknown. My fascination with it has led me to study in my own time criminology, forensic science, criminal profiling, forensic psychology, eyewitness psychology, crime scene investigation, and even a diploma in private investigation. You can see where my fandom of Sherlock Holmes comes from now. So I'm going to call this segment Criminal Case File. Our first case file we'll be opening is the biggest, most well-known and still unsolved case. That of Jack the Ripper. So our first case file is that of Jack the Ripper, courtesy of Ben Johnson of Historic UK. This case is not for the squeamish and not for small ears, so listener discretion is advised. For three months in 1888, fear and panic stalked the streets of London's East End. During these months, five women were murdered and horribly mutilated by a man who became known as Jack the Ripper. Some believe the true number to have been 11. Whitechapel in the East End was like a festering sore on the face of Victorian London in the late 19th century. The overcrowded population lived in hovels, streets stank of filth and refuse, and the only way to earn a living was by criminal means, and for many women, prostitution. The only relief from this miserable life was a bottle of gin bought for a few pence to give blessed oblivion. The terror started on Friday the 31st of August, when the body of Marianne Nichols, aged 42, was found in Bucks Row now called Derwald Street. Her face was bruised and her throat had been slashed twice and nearly severed. Her stomach had been hacked open and slashed several times. She was subsequently acknowledged to be the first of the Ripper's victims. On the 8th of September, the second victim was found. She was Annie Chapman, a 47-year-old prostitute. Her body was found in a passageway behind 29 Hanbury Street. Her few possessions lay down next to her body. Her head was almost severed and her stomach torn open and pulled apart. Sections of skin from her stomach lay on her left shoulder and on the right shoulder a mass of intestines. Part of the vagina and bladder had been carved out and taken away. On the 28th of September, a letter was received at the Central News Agency signed Jack the Ripper, threatening more murders. The name caught the public imagination when it first appeared in the newspapers and was used ever afterwards. Whitechapel was now in uproar. Riots broke out as hysterical crowds attacked anyone carrying a black bag as a rumour had spread that the Ripper carried his knives in such a bag. The 30th of September was a grim day. The Ripper carried out two murders within minutes of each other. 
Elizabeth Stride was the unfortunate woman, also a prostitute, who was found first at 1am behind 40 Burner Street. When found, blood was still pouring from her throat, and it seemed that the Ripper had been disturbed at his grisly business. At 1.45am, the body of Catherine Eddowes, 43, was found just a few minutes walk away in an alley between Mitre Square and Duke Street, now known as St James's Passage. Her body had been ripped open and her throat slashed. Both eyelids had been cut and part of her nose and right ear were cut off. The uterus and left kidney were removed and entrails thrown over the right shoulder. A trail of blood led the police to a doorway nearby where a message had been chalked. It read, The Jews are not the men to be blamed for nothing. For some inexplicable reason, the head of the Metropolitan Police, Charles Warren, ordered it to be rubbed out. So what could have been a valuable clue was destroyed. The horror of the double murder gripped London. Rumours now began to circulate. The Ripper was a mad doctor, a Polish lunatic, a Russian Tsarist, and even an insane midwife. Another letter was received by the Central News Agency in which the Ripper said he was sorry he had not been able to send the ears to the police as he had promised. Catherine Eddowes' left ear had been partially severed. On the 9th of November, the Ripper struck again. Mary Jeanette Kelly was the youngest of the women murdered. She was just 25 and an attractive girl. She was found in her room at Miller's Court, which ran off Dorset Street, now Deval Street. Mary, or what was left of her, was lying on the bed. The scene in the room was appalling. The rent collector who found her said, I shall be haunted by this for the rest of my life. Mary's throat had been cut, her nose and breasts cut off and dumped on a table. Her entrails were draped over a picture frame, and the body had been skinned and gutted, and her heart was missing. The panic and public outcry caused by this murder led to the resignation of Sir Charles Warren, Chief of Police. Mary was the last of the Ripper's victims. His reign of terror ended as suddenly as it began. For a hundred years, various names have been suggested as the killer of these women. And next week, we will look at those suspects. In 1957, engineers Alfred W. Fielding and Mark Chavanez sealed two shower curtains together, creating a smattering of air bubbles, which they initially tried to sell as wallpaper. Then in 1960, they realised their product could be used for protection in packaging, and they founded Sealed Air Corporation. When the inventor showed the product to IBM, which had just launched its first mass-produced computers, the tech company became their first big client. The Sealed Air Corporation still exists today, 
creating both cryovac food packaging and yes, bubble wrap. So remember last week when I did the lockdown go to, um, and I give my list of the things that I would go to during the lockdown, you know, um, music, movies, all that kind of stuff. Um, well, we've had a listener um, actually um, write theirs and send that in to us. So this comes from Leo in, in Chester. Hi, Leo. Big shout out to Leo. Thank you for, for sending, your, uh, sending your responses in. So this is what she came up with. Okay. So uh, go to food. Oh, I'm loving this one, to be honest. This one I've got to have a proper go at. Right, so uh, a food, a go-to food, she wrote, so my go-to lockdown food has been brunch, because she doesn't get out of bed till 11 o'clock. A decent brunch feels like such a treat, she's gonna kill me for that. My breakfast thing has been breakfast wraps, tortilla wrap, bacon, fried egg, hash browns, and cheese, a breakfast burrito, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that, that sounds pretty good, yeah, I'd pop that on my list, absolutely. Um, her lockdown book. Now I wasn't aware of this. I, I've, I'll claim ignorance on this one. Uh, a lockdown book is called Normal People. Uh, the series has been on TV, but I wanted to read the book first. Now I just need to watch the show. So if if that's a TV shout out recommendation, I might have to get on that one. Give us some feedback, guys. Uh, let me know what that what that TV show's like. All right. Uh, music. I've been listening to movie theater soundtracks. Phantom of the Opera after watching the theatre show. Yeah, I've got to be honest. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, I like a, I like a good show tune. Um, Phantom's pretty cool, like a bit of lame is. You know what it's like. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna waste any time watching the Cats film. Ah, oh, it's probably sparked a bit of debate that one now, hasn't it? Hey. Um, and her other, her uh, her Joker a wild card, is her puzzle book. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, if anybody else has got their lockdown go-to, please do remember it is your lockdown food, your movie, your TV show, uh, your your book, and your Joker, your wildcard. Send those in to me at the usual address, tells from a homeworker at outlook.com.
All the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. I had done countless such examinations in the past, but I felt her looking at me before I saw her. It's quite cathartic sharing a story. Nobody else mentioned seeing anything. My story creeps people out because it has some veracity. Location, circumstances, I'm a level-headed, strong character. It gave me cause for question, but I'm still a huge skeptic. Perception is not always reality. Did you know, to start from scratch is the same we use to illustrate starting again from the beginning, regardless of how much we've already achieved of a task. This is easily explained as during medieval horse races, competitors would start at a line scratched into the ground by either a sword or a javelin. If competitors cut corners or strayed from the set course of the race, they would have to start again from the scratch. swathes of heather blanket cold rock and sodden earth like a mother swaddling her newborn child. Friend and foes are treated equally, for she knows no other way to treat the ones that need to call her home. Sabre winds that cut through your bones, deep into your very soul. Daylight that exposes every part of who you are and who you want to be to an unforgiving world. But still, she beckons me. Hashtag Wolfstein. I'm terrible, mate. Absolutely no willpower whatsoever. As much as I said I really should stop eating. I, I don't film this podcast only one chunk, as you can imagine, because that much nonsense needs breaks. So I recorded most of it, and then I thought, I'm peckish. So I went downstairs to the cupboard, and I've got poppin' crisps. <laughs> I've got, now I'm, I'm a little bit good here, because I've got a Cherry Pepsi Max, which is my favourite. Not a massive pop drinker, unless there's a bourbon in it. Um, But Cherry Pepsi Max is the best, and there's no sugar in it, so that's cool. But I've got... Cheese and onion McCoys. Well, the ridge cut cheddar and onion McCoys. They're lush. Right. And oh, supermarkets are terrible. They keep doing packs of chocolate bars for a quid. Like three or four, like bounties and stuff like that. That all sit in my fridge. But I've got toffee crisps. I haven't had a toffee crisp in years. So I bought a toffee crisp. What have they done to it? It's tiny. It's like it used to be a lot thicker than that. Now I know what they've done. Sugar tax, right? This is this is this is the actual stuff behind it, the politics behind it. Sugar tax came in and the government said to all these confectioners, you've got to cut down the amount of sugar that you put in, in your chocolate bars. But if taking that amount of sugar out impairs the flavour of the chocolate, what you've got to do is make the chocolate bar smaller. But come on. It's like fun size. 
which is a bit of a misnomer. I'm sorry, bags of fun-sized chocolates, they are not fun-sized. Uh, fun I can't even talk. They are not fun-sized. A fun-sized Snickers is the size of your arm in it, right? You know, it's, it's, it's half the length of a bus. That's fun. That's fun-sized. Those are... Mm, I'm feeling a little bit peckish and I just need to fill a little hole. Five. Yeah, so... Uh, I wonder what it's like. I'm gonna I'm gonna try it right in front of you now. Oh, that's a bit of audience participation here. Actually, no, do you know what we need to do? Because if you have a chocolate bar, sometimes it gets a little bit sticky, so you need to have a drink, so. Oh, cherry Pepsi Max. Let's have a bit of this. Oh, it is good, that. Tasty. All right, here's my little toffee crisp. You can probably hear how little it is, can't you? Well, it looks feeble, but here it goes. Oh, it's crunchy. Definitely crispy. Oh, yeah, well, it's all right. Not bad. Maybe I'll make this a regular feature. Mike eats a chocolate bar on the podcast each week. We'll have a chocolate bar eating segment from now on. There you go. Enjoy that. And, um, yeah. Nearly forgot. No bite chocolate. Cheese and onion crisp at the same time. Oh. <laughs> and that's the end of another week, everybody. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Bit of a mixed bag of content this week. Um, but if you've got any suggestions for future content, if you want to contribute any stories... Uh, any homeworking tips, uh, anything you want to do, true crime, ghost stories, whatever it might be, please do. Don't forget your lockdown go-tos, any mad food questions you might have. Wherever it is, send it in and I'll read it out. Uh, tells from a homeworker at outlook.com. Thank you for those that contributed this week. They were fantastic. Everybody keep on doing that. Um, whichever format you're listening to, this, listening to the podcast on, uh, please subscribe, like, rate. Let's see if we can get me up the charts because right now I'm probably languishing somewhere right at the bottom, right? So so get me up there. Listeners, we want listeners. Listen in, okay? Share. Send it to your friends. If you think this is crazy enough to listen to for, for an hour or so, then uh, yeah, let your pals know. And I will see you next week.